By faith, we understand. If we want to be blessed, we must not only believe God's word, we must have the faith to accept that his word is for us today. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. You have your Bibles, open them to the book of Luke. Thank you. (coughs) I'm going to take you through the rest of last week's message. You're going to start on number two, Roman numeral two in your notes is where you're going to begin. And I'm going to talk to you about the difference between faith and belief. I'm going to talk to you about the power of the seed. The Bible says, as we looked at our first part of this series, that the seed is the word of God. And God's word doesn't come back void, but accomplishes that which pleases him. But the reality is it has to fall into a life that is receptive and desirous to do his work. Oh, God's word is not going to come back void, and he's going to accomplish through his word and through the life of a person, but that person may not be the one you think it is. Why? Because look what it says here. They have eyes, but they can't see. You can interchange that word see with perceive. How many have seen something but didn't quite get what it was? You see that a lot of times in a distance, you can see something and it looks like something, but as you get closer, it, it's something completely different. And our scripture also says they have ears, but they don't hear. Instead of that word hear, put the word understand. There's lots of people that hear things. And then I ask the, 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 the uh, very uh, poignant question, how many men out there hear their wives, but don't understand a single thing they're saying. And, you know, a lot more guys raised their hand last week. It must have not went over well, so you're, uh, you're not going to do it this week. But let me make a statement here. It's in your notes. The only way we will ever receive from God is to first understand that God greatly desires to give to us. God wants us to have so much more than we even understand. Look what it says in Luke 12, 31, or 32 rather. It is his good pleasure to give us his 
kingdom. Now, with his kingdom comes all of the benefits of his kingdom. In kingdom days on the earth, you had the kingdom that was subject to the king, and all of those that were beneficiaries of the kingdom live within the parameters of that kingdom. If you lived inside those walls, guess what? You were under the protection of the king. If you lived inside the walls, chances are you were also under the provision of the king. If you lived inside those walls, the enemy could barely ever even break through unless there was some some, uh, fault in the wall. Well, this is the same picture with you and I. God wants us to realize he is our provision. Yet most of us look at our job as our provision, our paycheck as our provision, our income as our provision, our, our whatever as our provision. He is our protector. But in this day and hour we live, many have their house filled with guns and ammunition. Pastor, is that wrong? No, I have guns and ammunition myself. But if you ever think that you're going to stand against something that comes against you with your few guns and ammunition, it's basically there is a safety factor. But yet we have somebody's a whole lot more able to protect than that. Our provision, our protection, our peace. Do you know how many Christians live without peace? fretting what is happening what in the world's going on why are we without peace lord if you would come back today i'd be a happy camper i know some of you say well preacher you're old i'm young i want him to come back later it's because we don't understand kingdom Because once he returns and we are his children, guess what? All of this goes away. And God's provision and promise and peace, protection, all of that's established for all time. I have people tell me, Pastor, I believe all this stuff. But the question I ask, if we do believe this, why are we looking every place else for blessing and provision? Do we really believe God wants us blessed or just accept the way things are and never reaching out. And then last week I got into the concept. There's a vast difference between belief and faith. Believe is a passive word. Faith is an active word. I can passively believe that this chair is sturdy. That this chair will hold my 200, give or take, pounds. I can believe it all day long. Man, that is a sturdy chair. Fine construction. 
I believe it can hold me. But do you have faith to see if it'll hold you? You can believe all day long and not ever do anything. It takes faith. You're laughing, but that's that's the weakness of some of our faith. You see, if we really understood the kingdom, come on, give it to me. But because we're kind of afraid to step out in this belief. Well, God, I know you said that, and I know Pastor Philemon, yeah, he's a man of God. I know you do things in his life, but this is just me. See, we believe lots of things. But do we really have the faith to step out and try it? Think about Peter in that boat. Storm is beating all around him. It looked like ghosts walking across the thing. They had eyes to see, but they couldn't perceive that it was really Jesus. Jesus spoke out to them. Said, children, don't be afraid, it is I. They had ears to hear, but they couldn't really understand. So what did Peter do? He tried it a little bit. He said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come. And so he took a step of faith. to do something that he didn't really fully believe was possible. But we know he stepped on the water, walked on the water, only person besides Christ that did it. I know a lot of people sit back and say, yeah, but he sunk. That's right, just like we do when we let our faith go and only look at what we can't believe. Am I making sense today? You see, God, in the law of the harvest, we have to understand that he is the sower. He is the one that is sowing the seeds, and he's waiting for people. It's all good. It's all good ground. As I shared last week, you are good ground. Yes, you got weeds, you got thistles, you got attitudes, you got this. But God says, I'm planting it. What are you going to do with it? Look what it says here in Hebrews 11. By faith, we understand. If we want to be blessed, we must not only believe God's word, we must to have the faith to accept that his word is for us today. In Mark 4, it says, if we will, if we'll hear the word and we will embrace the word, it will produce a harvest beyond beyond their wildest dreams. Then last week, we quickly went on 
and I made a statement that's on the screen. We grow in God when we apply what we've seen, what we've heard, and what we've received from his word to our lives. A scripture that's not in your notes, but write it down for later study. Hebrews 5.14, look what it says. Solid food is for the mature. Or God's seed that is for your life and mine will only be able to be used by the mature. Who are the mature? It answers it. Those who by constant use can understand the difference between good and evil. There's so many Christians that don't, well, do I do this or do I not do this? That's not even a question. The question should be, does it please you, God, or doesn't it? It shouldn't be, what do I want and what should I do? God, whose glory is getting from this? You see, the answers when you're kingdom-minded, when you understand the law of the harvest, is that he is my provider, he is my source, he is my peace, he is my provision, he is my protection. There's nothing, God, what do you think I should do? It should be, God, what are you and I doing today? Am I making sense this morning? I talked about this difference between faith and belief. And I took us into the book of Jude, chapter 1. There's only one chapter in Jude, but I put chapter 1 because if I didn't, people would ask me, Pastor, what chapter? It's only one chapter. But Jude, chapter 1. Jude, the Lord's half-brother, two of the disciples, James and Jude, were half-brothers of Jesus. He writes, and if you read the first three verses, he's greeting the people and stuff. But then he starts in the third verse. He said, you know, I, was, I wanted to write to you about salvation. I wanted to write to you about all this blessing, all of this wonderful stuff. But then he stops himself. You think he stopped himself? Or do you think the Holy Spirit stopped him? Once again, Jude wasn't interested in what he was writing. He was saying, God, what are you saying? And he pins these words. I found it more needful to write about the fight that we have to have to maintain our faith. The fight to maintain the faith that was entrusted to us. Why is it a fight? I left this in your notes, and I want you to read it with me. And not read it out loud, but look at it. It says, why? Because the enemy knows if he can keep us ignorant of what God has promised and wants for us, that he can keep us stagnant and ineffective in the furtherance of the kingdom. He can keep you and I bound up in our little kingdom, 
our little world instead of in the bigger picture of God's kingdom. C.S. Lewis, one of the great pronosticators of years gone by, wrote these words. It was the people that thought the most of the next world that did the most in this. Did I leave that in your page? C.S. Lewis. It was the people that thought the most of the next world that did the most in this. And then he went on to say, it is largely, largely since Christians have stopped thinking about the future of God's promises that they have become less effective in the present world system and condition. They hear, but they don't understand. Therefore, they don't accept. And we find this talked about there in Hebrews chapter 4. It's on the screen, but it's in your notes. The good news that was talked about that God gave us about being prepared for his rest, we're talking about a confidence in Christ that is applicable today. Not just in the day to come, but today. A time that when you give your life to Christ, you can rest in assurance. We sing that song, Blessed Assurance. Why can we have a blessed assurance? Because Jesus is mine right now. But look what it says here. <coughs> this rest was announced or preached to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good as they didn't share the faith, share the faith, share the faith of those who listened or heard what was preached. That word preached means they heard and heard means they understood. Oh, they listened, but they didn't understand. That's why it did no good. They did not have the faith to take it, apply it, and use it in their life. Remember, the scripture says, by faith we understand. We don't understand this Bible just because we read it. Folks, going to church and reading studying, even praying, it's not where it ends. It has to be applied. You say, well, pastor, how do we apply it? I'm glad you asked. It's in your notes. James chapter 1. Get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word of God that's been planted in you, which can save you. You said planted in you. What does that mean? It is planted in you, which causes it to grow. And he says, okay, I got that. But now what do I do? Listen, the rest of the passage. Do not merely listen to the word and so be deceived. Interesting, isn't it? 
What's it say we have to do? Do what it says. You know the part of the scripture that you understand? It's the part you're doing. Difference between maturity and immaturity. Difference between growth and no growth. How much of God's word are we living? Folks, just believing doesn't change you. Look at the next screen. James, once again, chapter 2. You say you have faith? Look what it says here. You believe there's one God? Wonderful. The devils believe that, and they tremble. See, the devils know, but yet we live our lives like we don't. Well, God understands. No, he doesn't. That's why Jesus came to die, to give you power over death, hell, and the grave. Can somebody say amen? Look at Proverbs 19. You say you have faith? He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. I brought out last week how I love exegetical preaching. I love verse-by-verse preaching. I love expounding on God's word and taking the scripture and dissecting it. And when I first became a pastor many, many years ago, that's the kind of preacher I wanted to be. And there's lots of them out there. And I'm not throwing a spurgeon against any of them. Some incredible, I, I love listening to them. But God said, he spoke to me and he speaks to me real simple. He said, the problem with that is it makes the head better and the heart bitter. Because it gives the head all kinds of knowledge. Oh, wow, that's what this means. That's what that means. That's what this means. But it does no good for the heart because the head doesn't know how to apply it to the life. And this is what this passage talks about. He who gets wisdom loves his soul. That faculty of knowing is what represents our soul, our feeling, our emotions, and stuff like that. Okay? He who gets wisdom loves his soul. But look at this. He who cherishes understanding is the one that prospers. Who takes that knowledge, guides it by understanding, comes to the wisdom of the word. Ephesians 4 says that we must no longer live like the Gentiles in the futility of their thinking, their understanding darkened, separated from the life of God. Why? Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. What is the hardness of their hearts? They want to live the life they want to live and nobody tell them how they can live. How many are with me today? Man, it's getting quieter as I'm going on here, Pastor. You see, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to lay the harvest of 2016. That if we will take knowledge, give it to understanding, 
God will give us the wisdom to be victorious in this, in this, this year. God, what are you saying about my life? What are you wanting for my life? No longer am I asking God, what can I do? I'm asking God, what is it that you have for me to do? The scripture goes on to apply or imply that many Christians get so set in their way. It's not that they can't grow, it's that they won't grow. Why? Because it's all about understanding. Looking back at Hebrews 4, it says, it did not profit them because they did not mix it with faith. In Mark 4, it says when you and I bring a lamp, that word lamp comes from the understand comes from the the implication of understanding something has been illuminated. When you have a lamp, you don't put it under a bowl or under a bed. Instead, you put it on a stand that everybody can see. Are you with me? When you get understanding in something, this is what the pastor does as I'm preaching. God gives me understanding in something. And I bring it up to the lampstand and say, guys, look at all this. I try to illuminate it that we can all learn and grow because we can apply it now to our lives. In Proverbs 20, it says, the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. The illumination of God comes through the spirit of man and it illuminates the entirety of our being. In Mark 4, it says, be sure to practice what you hear. The more you do this, the more you will understand what I say. This is why the word of God tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, uh, 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 rightly dividing the word of truth. Literally, what it's telling us is the more that we understand the more that we can live, the more that we can do. The message translation in 2 Timothy 2.15 says, know God's word and what it says. So let me conclude this morning. Number three in your notes, the amount we understand There's a two-letter word, is. The amount we understand is the part we know. Not a head knowledge, but a life application. We've got, we've got people in this church that are in college. And they do closed book tests. They do all kinds of testing. Do you know why? Why do they do it, Julie? To see what you understand, don't they? They don't want to know that you just know. They don't want to know that you just got a head knowledge. Well, I, I can put it on paper. No, they close the books. They put everything away. Pencil, paper. They want to know what you understand about what you know. I remember Jane had a course final for last semester was a 15 pages or something 
She had to write with nothing. She had to write what she understood, didn't you? There's a little adage out there. If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Do we understand this Christian life? I have this urgency in me is where this series came from. And I I can't not, once again, I know that's a double negative. You're not supposed to do that. But in in Arkansas, the last place I went to school, it worked fine. <laughs> I can't not. This is going to really blow some of your minds. I can't not not talk about it. Now, that ain't good English, but it's good preaching. I I have this urgency that the church is so shallow. And folks, that's not a finger pointing to you. I'm talking the church, which I'm part of. We are so shallow in understanding this Christian experience that if we don't start grounding ourselves as this era presses us more and more, there may be more and more turn away because they don't understand what they're battling. They don't understand what they're dealing with. Pastor, that's kind of scary. Not really. All it means is get into God's word. Start applying it. Start learning it. Why? Because the amount we understand is the amount we know. We'll never grow past our willingness to learn. We'll never learn more than we're willing to understand. When God gives us all, he expects us to give him all back. He doesn't expect us to give him what we feel, what we like, what we want. He wants all returned to him. And this stops some of us from receiving. There's people that will only go to church when they want to go to church. Bless God, it's my time and I'll do what I want want with it. Really? Can you show me in scripture where it says it's your time? And fill in the blank. Well, it's my blank. Show me in scripture where any of it belongs to us. God says, I want to do so much. I want to give you so much. In Luke 12, from everyone who has been given much, much has been demanded. From the one who has been entrusted with much, even more will be asked. This is another reason some of us don't want to grow is because we know God's going to expect more. Look what it says in Mark 12. Love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength. As the worship team comes, it is by faith that we step out and do the things that God desires for us to do. 
It is by faith that we begin to realize why God has desired for us to do it. And it is by faith that we accept all God has directed. And like Abraham, we begin to receive all that God has given. Ladies and gentlemen, there's people in the sound of my voice that have given up on things just because they didn't realize God wanted them to fight for it. There are things that we need to fight for today. And faith is the power of that seed. And we must believe that this is what God is and does do. Let me take you back to Hebrews 11. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. Today, I'm going to ask Pastor Philemon, you just got back. I'm going to ask you to close this service today, if you would. I'm going to go rest my voice now. But I'm going to ask you as he comes, let me ask you something. Where is your faith? Now people might say, well, Pastor, I'm not you. Don't have to be me. My faith has nothing to do with yours. There's people that say, well, you're not healed because your faith was weak. I find great faith people that still didn't get healed. Well, this didn't happen because whatever. Folks, that's not the point. The point is, God's word is the seed for everything. God said it, that settles it. Faith is the power that unlocks the doors for all that promise to come to avail, to avail in your life. Have you given up on something that God said, ah, you need to fight. You need to go tooth and nail. Galatians 6, 9. I'm not going to have you turn there. Just write it on your pages. Galatians 6, 9. Be not weary in doing what is good. For in due season, you will reap if you don't quit. Some of us, God has been waiting at the door of your life with so much. But he's asking, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Over and over, you have little faith. You have little faith. You have little faith. Where is your faith? Watch what God will do if you'll just step out. Challenge what you believe with the faith to see it come to pass. Can you say amen? God bless. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. 
I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Podcast.